0: And welcome to Cornerstone Conversations, a podcast all about the Ohio State University's College of Food, Agricultural, and Environmental Sciences. I'm your host, Taylor Lutz, a student within the Department of Agricultural Communication, Education, and Leadership. With this podcast, I hope to share the story and happenings of the college with individuals around the world. Each episode will bring a little something different as we chat with current students, alumni, staff, and faculty, all from CFAES. Let's get to learning. Today we are welcoming Stan Garrett, a Professor and Wildlife Extension Specialist with the School of Environment and Natural Resources here at The Ohio State University. Stan, thanks for joining us today, I appreciate you uh, taking some time and sitting down and chatting with us.
1: Well, thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, we'll go ahead and get started, just tell a little bit about yourself, uh, kind of your background and ultimately your path of how you got here to Ohio State
1: sure well it started um, in a very rural area in kansas where i was born and raised um, and then as i made my way through college i uh, became uh, fascinated in wildlife and started uh, graduate degrees in wildlife in different universities first in, in kansas and then over in missouri at the university of missouri um, and then um, i spent some time out in the wilderness which is the whole point point. Mm-hmm. and then of course my first job was actually working in chicago uh, the most urban, one of the most urban spots in, in North America. And yeah. I thought that that might be a one-year position, but it ended up being a um, a long-term position. And then at some point I built a research program there and then was uh, invited to come to Ohio State and uh, been able to uh, work here at Ohio State as well as uh, maintain that work over in Chicago.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. I know uh, you actually were just published by National I believe Geographic, and so geographic. that was yeah, that was really cool. I got to skim over that article really quick. So It was a
1: great writer, so you made us all look really good.
0: <laughs> I don't think you need to have someone else make you look good. I think the work you're doing is really, really great. So uh, kind of what got you interested specifically in your work with coyotes and doing research with them?
1: Well, um, actually, the very first um, graduate project I was involved in was coyotes, and
0: okay.
1: um, they were an amazing animal, very difficult to to study, to work with, and again, that was out in Kansas in a very rural, uh, remote area, and that's back in those days. That's kind of where coyotes were known to occur. Mm-hmm. Uh, once I um, that was my only real work with them at that point, and then for many years I took a different path uh, with other species, and then. In Chicago, of all places, it was the last thing I ever thought I would be studying uh, were were coyotes. But about five or six years after I um, arrived in Chicago, then coyotes appeared. Mm -hmm. And um, I was lucky enough uh, to have uh, certain agencies come to me and ask me, can you do some work because we have no idea what's going on with these animals. And so uh, it was a best case scenario for me.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. So what do you do with this research and kind of where does it go and how does it get used ultimately?
1: Mm -hmm. Well, um, obviously there were a lot of questions about having a a large predator uh, living in a city uh, very close to people. And so um, our research is really designed to provide information for um, agencies as well as um, the general public to use so that they can make um, the right decisions about how to minimize conflict or um, how not to um, exaggerate it if it does happen?
0: Right. So, you're doing this in for you're doing this research to gather information to share with the public. So, what's probably one of the biggest misconceptions that the public has about coyotes?
1: Uh, one of the biggest misconceptions I think is that um, they don't belong in cities. Mm-hmm. Um, they actually determine for themselves that they do belong in cities, and um, <laughs> The, when they first began appearing in not just Chicago, but um, Cleveland and Columbus, uh, Cincinnati, um, the first response was for cities to get rid of them. They didn't believe they belonged there and so that's what they attempted to do. But that didn't work. Um, they, they kept removing coyotes, and they kept coming back. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, they kind of determined that they were going to live in cities. So that's like the first is that they don't belong there. Right. Uh, they do. Uh, now we have to understand how to make that work. Uh, the other misconception that a lot of people have is that they, um, the, the ones that are in the cities anyway are um, only living off of garbage or living off of people's pets. And yeah. our diet work has shown that they're actually still functioning like um, natural predators out there. They're actually doing a service for us by eating many uh, natural prey. Okay. Um, in fact, uh, there's a lot of coyotes. The fact the majority of them are eating almost no human-related foods, and almost none of them are relying on
0: pets. That's really interesting, Mm -hmm. especially being in that urban area. It kind of reminds me, honestly, of of deer. You always think of deer being out in the the woods and whatnot, but you can see them all the time in cities and urban areas. Right,
1: including here on campus.
0: Right, absolutely. Mm -hmm. So what role do coyotes now play in our ecosystem?
1: Well so yeah, what role do they play in, in the ecosystem in general and especially in cities, that's actually an active area of our research and so in addition to trying to understand the animal itself, we're trying to understand how do they what's their role with other other species mm-hmm. and um, what we're finding so far is that they are functioning like a, a predator. so um, there are certain things like um, Canada geese that would be a, a prey item that also become overabundant. In fact, until coyotes moved into an area, they would become a huge nuisance themselves. The coyotes actually end up being the the primary um, predator on their nests, and it took us a lot of work to be able to demonstrate that. Uh, Right now we're working on white-tailed deer and coyotes and trying to understand that relationship, and it looks like they most definitely are the major predator on their fawns, which again, for urban deer, it's important to have something to help control their numbers, and that's uh, one thing that they're doing uh, again to, to kind of help us
0: Yeah, so where are you doing a lot of your research? I know you mentioned uh, Chicago specifically, but uh, where do you find the most success and is there specifically is there a hot spot here in Ohio somewhere?
1: Uh, well, it's hard to find a hot spot because <laughs> coyotes are pretty much across uh, everywhere across Ohio right. um, They're quite abundant in every every county and all of our cities have them. Um, and in fact, that's one of the things that we're uh, looking at right now. So we are doing a little bit of work here in Columbus as well as um, in Cleveland. We're partnering with Cleveland Metro Parks. And uh, we spent the last uh, summer placing remote cameras in different parts of the city to try to understand where are coyotes appearing mm-hmm. and how do they behave when they're introduced to a novel object. So it helps us understand uh, kind of how bold are they becoming in parts of our city.
0: Yeah. So you say bold. Should we be concerned about these uh, coyotes in these urban areas?
1: Uh, In the vast majority of cases, no. Um, In fact, in most cases, you won't even know that they're there. Okay. Uh, But there is going to be a small minority that, uh, for some reason, um, they will become either more bold or, in very rare cases, will become aggressive. And those two things are not necessarily the same thing. Okay. You can have a bold animal that's not actually aggressive and is actually not a threat whatsoever, but aggressive animal is. Um, and we're trying to understand, that's another part of our research, to understand why do some coyotes um, become aggressive while, while many of them don't. Right. And if we can understand why they become aggressive, maybe we can help prevent it from happening.
0: Absolutely. So we talked about the misconceptions that people may have. What's something that, just in general, they should know about these coyotes and them moving into their, possibly their backyards, mm-hmm. if you will?
1: Yep, so the, the biggest thing for people to keep in mind is that coyotes will only live in an area where there's food. And so if you don't provide food for them and there's not food readily available, then they're not going to spend any time near your yards mm-hmm. or your neighborhoods. Uh, where we have found where conflicts have started is when people have actually been providing food for coyotes, either intentionally or in some cases just um, accidentally because they didn't know that they were there.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So. We've talked a lot about the the coyotes, and I know you mentioned deer as well. You've done some research with other animals as well, and other wildlife. Yeah. What all have you uh, researched, and what were some of your findings in those areas as well?
1: Sure. Um, well, we've done uh, work with other species, like over in Chicago, uh, bats. That was actually I was working on that before we started coyotes. So we were looking at how bats were responding to urban areas and. Found that in the Midwest, anyway, the urban areas form a, a nice refuge for bats, mm-hmm. a, a wide range of species. We worked on raccoons, um, skunks, species that you would normally associate with cities. Yeah. We're still doing work with them. Over here in Ohio, uh, we've worked with uh, bats and not in an urban setting, but in the forests.
0: Okay.
1: Um, and, and trying to understand how forest management affects bat uh, bat activity and And then finally, uh, we worked with badgers in Ohio, so a lot of people don't realize that badgers um, occur in Ohio. So there are a few, not very many. And then currently we're working on river otters, uh, both here in Ohio, and trying to understand the otter population and how best to manage that. And then um, we're gonna be starting a, a Chicago river otter study very soon.
0: So how do you incorporate, specifically your SENR students, how do you incorporate them in your research?
1: Sure. Um, well, I do that in a couple different ways. So uh, graduate students um, get to actually work um, in Chicago and use parts of my research as part of their research program. Okay. So we've had graduate students working on the coyotes. We've mm-hmm. had graduate students working on the, the raccoons, mm-hmm. um, even the striped skunks. <laughs> um, so uh, we're able to, to uh, again, use the, those projects as a foundation for them to ba- basically build off of. Um, and then as far as undergraduates, um, we, I, I use some of the, the research in my courses okay. that I offer. Um, and so um, we, we talk about Chicago quite a bit, and then in one of my classes, we actually get to take a field trip up to Chicago um, with the students, and they actually get to take part in the, the capture and handling. and and actually getting their hands on a Chicago coyote, uh, which is something that's pretty rare.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. What uh, specific classes do you teach here in SENR?
1: Um, I teach a a mammalian um, biology class, [1] and then I also teach a a zoo science and management course in uh, collaboration with the Columbus Zoo.
0: So what's been probably your most interesting finding of of all those researches? What's probably been the most interesting thing that you have found?
1: Oh, that's a really hard question. Um, It's almost impossible to answer because uh, the neat thing about wildlife research is that we always um, are surprised by something and almost every single study that I've been involved with has had a major surprise for me and Mm -hmm. trying to pick among those is very difficult.
0: Yeah, that's very interesting. Any, any favorite animal that besides uh, a coyote that you like to research?
1: Uh, all I, can, I, I like them all. I, I will tell you that the one that most people find surprising, probably the most surprising, the only um, project where I've had my technicians and my students actually fight um, among <laughs> each other to actually get to do the field work was the striped skunk. Really? Um, the, yeah, the skunk study, where we actually had to catch them by hand. Um, and they actually they love that
0: that's very interesting i'll leave that to you and your students (laughs) well thank you very much stan for joining us today we appreciate your work and all that you're doing and can't wait to uh, read up on your next publication
1: great thank you
0: thanks for joining us for this episode of cornerstone conversations here at the college of food agricultural and environmental sciences where we sustain life Make sure to tune in next time as we talk more about the happenings within our college and share more stories about where we've been and where we're going. Liked what you heard and want to learn more? Visit us at cfaes.osu.edu and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. That's all for now, so until next time, Go bucks!